Now, for something completely different, from east of the Rockies, here's Brian Wilson. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all sexes, and all of you waiting for the next presidential public embarrassment, it's time for the two and only, and our trademark slide on the razor blade of life, as we repetitively and redundantly challenge your gag reflexes as we cuss and discuss what is lovingly referred to as current events. Or, as we in the business prefer to call them, the illegal, immoral, and illicit conduct of our mostly elected representatives. Joining me once again, from Mark Levin's underground bunker, my compatriot, best-selling author, investigative reporter, New York Post opinion writer, and this September's centerfold for Swisher Sweet Magazine, wearing only his beard, James Bovard. Welcome, James. Uh, that's uh, always fun to hear your lead in. Swisher Sweet. Yeah, I haven't... Uh... I haven't, I've, I've done a pretty good job of avoiding those for about 50 years. I'm trying to get you motivated in that direction so that we can get a connoisseur's opinion. They may have, they may have improved. They may have aged. Who knows? If everybody else is avoiding them like you are, who, who knows how they may have improved sitting up there on the shelf? I will take your word for that and the word of any experts you can summon. <laughs> Don't take my word for it. I, we're about the same page. I tried one once in high school and I'm... Still haven't recovered, I don't think. Well, here we are. Here we are, mere hours away from the GOP debates on Fox, hosted by the Pillsbury Doughboy of journalism, Brett Baer, and his blonde distraction, Martha McCallum. You know, I thought it was really rather remarkable two people have done so well in the news business with virtually no journalism courses. I don't know, maybe there's something to that. What piercing questions and repartee might we expect this evening, James? Uh, it's kind of like laughing a little bit, the uh, laugh board at the end. Uh, if you're looking for piercing questions, it might be a long night. It mm. should be interesting to see the differences on Ukraine, because you've got Chris Christie out there who's tub thumping for for unlimited aid and practically unlimited weapons for Ukraine. Uh, most of the other candidates are wary or saying that you know it, it's time for the U.S. to follow its own national interests. So I think that might be the most interesting point of uh, conflict in the evening. Yeah, I kind of got the impression that uh, Christie thinks he's going to be this year's uh, Donald Trump, you know, boisterous ah, and bullying ah, and, you know, that yes. kind of thing and throwing his weight around, which, of course, is prodigious. But I caught a couple of his comments about he went over to Ukraine, he came back from Ukraine, he said, we've got to do more, that uh, Obama did some and, uh, and, and, uh, and Trump did more and Biden's done even more, but we have to still do more. And so, and you know, on that note, on that note, Jim, any chance you've seen the interview uh, between Tucker Carlson and General Douglas McGregor? I haven't seen that interview. I have uh, read quite a bit of what uh, Colonel McGregor has written over the last couple of years. I had a fun chat with him at the National Press Club in late uh, 2021. He was uh, the American conservative was having a reception there and um, I was there and McGregor was there. And he and I am sitting at the same table in this shooting the bull for about half an hour, an hour. He was he was interested in some of my um, uh, family background. Oh, was he in the my, French Revolution? Uh, all right, my <laughs> in-law background, let's put it like that, but we'll just oh. skirt along there. But he was a heck of a character, very blunt, uh, very hearty. It's it's understandable to, uh, why someone like that the um, Pentagon brass did not appreciate uh, his creativity and his willingness to speak the truth. Uh, but uh, he's certainly been outspoken. And Tucker Carlson has done um, a lot of path-breaking, courageous work on U.S. foreign policy. Well, I um, 
I had not seen it. I'd heard a lot about it. So this morning, about 3 a.m., I decided to give it a go. And I got to tell you, it was compelling. It was provocative. It was educational. I mean, there was so much that I that I didn't know. I've kind of just against the, the, the enterprise in and of itself based on how it started and why. And it's been interesting to see how the, the facts have gotten bastardized by the mainstream media and so on. This guy McGregor brought up some some remarkable, uh, very specific points about the arms that we're sending over there. All this, all these, this aid is is all antiquated, old, and no such big deal. Or the Patriot missiles. Oh, we sent them thirty three, but they shoot two at every incoming aircraft, so they last a couple of days, and that's pretty much it. That uh, Ukraine has lost maybe four hundred thousand soldiers, Russia maybe fifty. And that Russia's just grinding them up, grinding them up. They've got 300,000 some odd troops, you know, on the uh, on the ground there. Another 700,000 lined up along the border in anticipation of Ukraine running out of troops and Biden sending in American troops. And that we would actually be in a position of going face to face with Russia. And then how long is that going to last? How long are we going to have ammo and, and missiles and tanks and all the necessary things to uh, sustain the, the battle? And then, of course, if we run out, well, then what? Well, then we have tactical nukes. And as he said, which I thought was kind of cruelly uh, amusing. Uh, so what's a tactical nuke? Is that an itty bitty nuke? Just a little one? You know, not going to do a lot of damage, that kind of thing. And uh, no one's going to believe that. If you're going to go to nukes, you're going to go to nukes. And that's why he said, you know, this could very easily come to the United States if these morons, these neocons, the State Department and the Defense so keep pushing and pushing and pushing this thing. I, I did not know um, in my ignorance that the way this whole thing started was because 14 or so years ago, Kiev started the Ukrainians started taking it out on the breakaway, the two breakaway provinces, and beating the crap out of the Russians that were living there, native Russians. And Putin decided, well, hell, that that ain't a fair fight, and decided to go in and essentially to uh, in defense of the Russians who were who were there. And that's when all hell broke loose. The narrative has been that Putin invaded Ukraine, and uh, this is horrible, and he's bloodthirsty, and all the rest of that crap. But, uh, there was uh, there was an awful lot in there. It's about uh, 45, 50 minutes. I would encourage everyone to, you know, if they haven't, to uh, to give it a listen. You're gonna you're gonna learn a lot of crap. You never a lot of a lot of, a lot of facts rather that you didn't get in the form of crap from the mainstream media the way they've been reporting it. It's really uh, really amazing. Yeah, and as far as the speculation of the U.S. Groups intervening, I think it's damned unlikely. I don't think there. I think there'd be a hell of a lot more pushback. I think the American public support for the intervention has been decreasing month by month, and the failure of the Ukraine so-called spring offensive has not helped the um, help the war party in this one. So, hopefully, you know, it's just appalling to me that the Biden State Department, the Biden White House, is openly opposed to a ceasefire between Ukraine and Russia. I mean, there is going to be no happy ending in this war. It's It's been a, a, a disaster for both sides in many ways. And it's unfortunate that Biden thinks he's, pro- well, that Biden's profiting. I, I don't know how exactly Biden and his friends are profiting on this, but there's there's a lot of questions about his past conduct on Ukraine.
Yeah, well, uh, McGregor did touch on that kind of in a in a roundabout way. That, for example, the comments that, um, that Chris Christie made about, oh, we need to go in there and need to do more and more and more. And uh, uh, Tucker Ashley says, how does he get away with saying something like that? And McGregor says, it doesn't cost him anything. He's got he's got backers. He's got contributors that are trying to keep him in the race. And that's what they do. They said, we want, we want to know that you, if you're elected, are going to keep this war going because we're heavily invested in the defense industry. And uh, this is uh, really good for business. You know, it's um, we're shipping all of our antiquated stuff over there and building new stuff. And uh, this is good. This is terrific. Whatever. So it, it, it clarified uh, it clarified a bunch of that stuff. I uh, I thought I was this also interesting. He talked about NATO, NATO getting involved. What will NATO do? And he said, well, NATO, I can't remember the name of the guy who said it was originally uh, one of the founding members, uh, founding fathers of, of NATO. But he said NATO was was originally put together to keep America in, Russia out and Germany down. And, yeah, well, the Germans have lost their enthusiasm for this war. It was mm-hmm. never that popular with the German public. I mean, the Germans have had have a lot more impact from the war than America has. I mean, uh, Germany's getting hit by tidal waves of uh, migrants from the conflict. Um, and a recession. Yeah, yeah. And there's this, uh, just to see the level of, um, of disruption that was done by the uh, the attack on the Nord Stream pipeline, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest environmental terrorism act in history. And the U.S. government's management uh, mostly kept it swept under the rug as far as who did that. Couldn't be us, even though Biden said they were going to shut down the pipeline. Uh, so I don't, you know, there's a lot of places in Europe. Hungary has been very outspoken against the war. Uh, the, the Hungarians have got, um, haven't forgotten how the, the Hungarian minority has been treated horribly by Ukraine uh, ever since World War II. Um, th- there's a storyline in the American media, and every now and then there's a story in the American media that says, actually, it's not going so well. But there's there are a lot of controls on the journalists who are writing in Ukraine, and but we don't hear about that very often either, do we? No, no, that is definitely the case. Though. One other thing I learned talking about Germany for a moment was that apparently Germany and Russia we're really getting along swell until all this crap started. That uh, you know, Russia was sending uh, lots of energy and gas and things you know, to keep the homes. Germany had their incredible manufacturing uh, machine cranked up, and it looked like a pretty happy marriage. And that uh, that's kind of what got uh, America's attention. Oh, we can't have that, and because if they if they get together, then they're going to control Europe. And what do we need NATO and America for? So it was. Uh, it, you know, the plot thickens beyond just, you know, the, the resentment of Biden just uh, willy-nilly sending over billions and billions and billions. Uh, but, uh, you know, got to give him credit. He did send 700 bucks to the people in Maui. So that's uh, there's a biggie. <clears throat> but um, it does seem as if every day uh, the, the Biden boys, uh, the administration serves up just another fresh insult uh, to Americans, to freedom, the American values we hear so much about. And it's right out there. Biden was caught repeatedly on camera. I know you saw it saying or doing outrageously non-presidential things. You got Garland, the FBI, the CIA flat out refusing to, to, to prosecute. Uh, blatant violations of the law, dragging their feet on others, lying to Congress, billions to Ukraine, press doesn't care, Democrats don't care, Republicans can't speak above a whisper for fear of getting mocked by MSNBC and Chuck Schumer. I just wonder how long this uh, this kind of corrosion goes on. Is it all the way till 24? Or is the possibility of, of a course correction? Or even, even better, more tantalizing, is it possible that somebody could come up with something really provocative and good and doable in the debates tonight to have their breakout moment? Um, 
it's possible, but um, I'm not sure if it's worth staying sober to watch. Yeah, you don't sound um, enthusiastic about it at all. It's, no, it's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's something which I've I, I heard and which I which I might watch some of. And most of these debates are pretty lame. Most of the candidates are lame and dishonest, uh, if not outright weasels. So um, maybe something good will come out of it. But uh, it, it's also possible that, um, that there will be other um, other revelations about Biden's policies or other abuses that could change the uh, storyline in Washington politics and national mm. politics. I mean, yeah. the, it, it's uh, something we learned in the last few days was it was the IRS whistleblowers on the Hunter Biden case, which basically, uh, which undercut the Justice Department effort to drop all charges against Hunter. Right. And so uh, thanks to the whistleblowers, they had to have a couple misdemeanors and uh, then they went to, you know, uh, get the federal judge to sign off and then that blew up in their face. And they've been reeling since then. They've had, and the um, you know Justice Department credibilities, of um, basically on par with the week after the Saturday Night Massacre that Nixon did. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, I guess the one thing that uh, that is is caught my attention. We discussed once before, and it's even caught some attention on some of the chat shows. The uh, the timing of breaking stories. Uh, that alone has gotten a lot of attention. You know, so Biden tears himself away from his perpetual vacation, gets dragged out to Maui to embarrass himself and the office of the president. The latest lies about his toaster oven and fire and cat and Corvette and all the rest of that. And everybody was really PO'd, you know, about that, only to be spared the continuing derision on the front pages everywhere. In anticipation of the uh, GOP mudslinging contest tonight, the results of which will be ignored tomorrow uh, because the blow-dried set's going to want to drool over the surrender of Donald Trump down in Atlanta. I don't think Marge and Gower Champion could have choreographed anything better than that. This is really terrific, depending upon whose side you're on. Well, yeah, I mean, there's there are endless layers of BS in American politics right now. Uh, I mean, but every now and then something happens which isn't BS, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Uh, so, you know, I'm just kind of um, laying for them. That's the Mark Twain phrase, laying for them, <laughs> waiting to see what they do next. Yes, I can see that now. That uh, What do they call those? Uh, those oh, snare, the Bovard snare. They got, it's got that little, little tripwire across the information highway, and as soon as they tick one of those with their toenail, boom, you're, you'll be on it. That's good. I like that. That's, a, that's a, what we come to know and expect. And it's further proof. What my father always said about me is he said, it takes little to amuse the simple. <laughs> and that's what keeps Jim Bovard laughing throughout each day. Now, well, there you go. While he works. Well, look, before we um, before we bring this episode to a merciful end with our customary Coupe de Ville, a reminder uh, for our new listener, Christmas is even closer now than it was just last week. Now, don't risk having nothing but carpet under the tree this year. Litter that space and stuff every undergarment with erudite reading material from your two and only. Yes, I'm referring to the endless selection of books penned by Mr. Bovard, available at Amazon and better bookstores everywhere. That's assuming you can find a better bookstore anywhere still open. For a more limited selection, announcer's name here has managed to scribble a couple of paperbacks with small words, big print, and lots of pictures that can be enjoyed by all of those who didn't get their Mensa membership. You can also sign up for my free Substack subscription so you can be forewarned every time the two and only ride again. 
If uh, all this is just too confusing, hold off on the Prozac and visit jimbovard.com or brianwilson.net for more inflammation. Chances are we should both recover in time to make it here next week with more pretentious haberdashery so popular with Lionel, Amtrak, and Giddy Bovard fans. Members of today's studio audience, by the way, will each receive a free all-weather shoehorn courtesy of our bus driver, Joe Ted. For expletive deleted Jim Bovard, this is your offstage renouncer, Brian Wilson, reminding you to visit our separate but equally blasphemous websites. That's jimbovard.com, brianwilson.net, where we stash all the barely legal stuff and uh, with no pesky firewall yet. That's as unexpurgated as we can get for this time of year. Thanks for tiptoeing across hot coals to be with us. Call your neighbors and tell your friends uh, to be your comfort animal next time. Till then, remember, your government is so full of crap, if you could give it an X-lax, it would disappear. Pull the plug, Joe. <laughs>